Hey boomers, how's this for a blast from the past? It's time for another trip back, back, back in time to the Sega Stational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic. It's the podcast that's so tasteless, anyone with an IQ greater than a three-year-old's is nauseated by it. It's <laughs> Sonic the Comic, the podcast. <laughs> we are the Humes who think we're in charge. I'm still sounding croaky Dave Fulmer. And I'm just sound Chris McFeely. Hey! <laughs> Oh, and we've got your number 112 this time, which reckons it came out on the 16th of September 1997. But it actually came out on September the 3rd. Sometimes we say it thinks it did or it reckons it did. <laughs> That's not fair to the comic. The comic oh, knows true. when it came out. Yeah. It says on the cover, <laughs> yeah. but and people just... People! Mm. The internet get it wrong it has a deep and resounding memory of when it's sat there it has the yes. paper memory of that and if you just hold it to your ear the right way it'll tell you well the previous issue has the very provable paper memory of when it came out because it was printed in it the date is right there on the paper of when the next issue came out <laughs> right <laughs> he went a little cross-eyed there folks it is a bit of an odd system though it's not. It's 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 a system that serves the news agent. Yes, you are. I'm not thinking of the professionals involved. I'm thinking of myself as a nerdy collector. When have you last thought of a news agent? When have I last thought of a news agent? Now, there's a philosophical question that I didn't come prepared to think about. <laughs> <laughs> when did you last have to go to the news agent to get a magazine? Mm, eh? Cool or otherwise. We've got a cover here by Mick McMahon of Sonic jumping over a robot doing a big vom at him. Yep, it's it's a dumb, tentacly-looking, googly-eyed little round boy. It looks like a boobar, but turned into a robot. Does it? Well, it's the sort of general shape. They don't got tentacles. I suppose he looks a bit like an egg robo in many ways. He's, he's round. He's a big round boy. But he's got long uh, wagglies, long two, two arms of waggly things. They're like hose pipes with a plunger on the end, aren't they? And he's shooting a big beam at Sonic. Yeah, not with them. No, out of its big chest. Hmm. Mouth chest, round yellow. And then at the back, uh, designer has added the sunrise from the beginning of the stage version of The Lion King. That is definitely the work of the designer, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think Mick's drawn that. It's possible he did. I, I feel like as we get into this issue, uh-huh. we'll quickly come to the conclusion that no, he did not bother putting anything even remotely interesting in the background. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the two. Count him! Count him! New Sonic stories contained in this issue. Plus, we also have Tails and the Channel Hoppers. Uh, I nearly said Thampion. I thought it said Thampion because of that little oh, bit of yeah, detail. because of that little bit, yeah. You said it and I looked down and I was like, but it does say it. No, it <laughs> we have a champion decap attack pin-up. Champion. <laughs> champion. And get shorty, Amy tracks down the cybernic. And that is all printed on 100% recycled paper, listeners. For £1.25, let's open it up. Continuing the theme from last issue, Megadroid says nothing of note in the control zone. Yeah, nothing. It just says what's going to be in the strip. There is nothing for us to pass on to you. Luckily, there is a feature. Shall I even? I've not been able to break out the jingle in a while. It's not really a feature, though, is it? Yeah, everyone, it's the closest STC gets to a feature anymore now that they have dropped their features editor and don't have enough pages for anything. It's a single paragraph at the bottom half of the opening page. Sonic gets the needle. 
And it's two photographs. It's actually this is quite a bit of uh, good old fashioned STCing, isn't it? It's like the cakes. It's like the pictures. Yeah, I cake. mean, it's like the cakes, or like when they would do a photo zone or whatever. It's not a feature at all. It's just an alternate form of a zone that already exists in the comic. But yeah. yeah, it's um physical, tactile you sent creations the stuff. Yeah, so it's two photographs here. Um, it's called Sonic Gets the Needle, but that's only relevant to one of the pictures. The second mm-hmm. one, from Jan Louise, who must send in their address to win an enamel badge. And it's what they've done is an actually good... Well, what? Needle point? What's the word for this kind of thing? They've sewn uh, the cover of Sonic 1 Sonic. Yeah. The other way round, I don't know if that's... I suppose because they sewed it, and then you turn it round to see what it looks like, and it comes out the other way round. I don't uh, know. Maybe. And it's, uh, yeah, you know, crossed leg. Finger up, hand on hip. Yeah, it looks very nice. But with a little bespoke background of some grey and darker grey squares. And that, that honestly proper, that is nostalgic to me because my nana would sometimes proffer one of these. She would go, look what I've done. And she would have sewn, I've, somewhere I've got one of these of Dizzy that she did. Aww. Just as a surprise, maybe as a like a birthday card, but that she'd sewn, that sort of thing. That's lovely. I must find that. I wonder where that is. And they've captioned it. Talking! Um, and the other photo... What's her face? The ugly one! Shut up. And the, so other, all. the other photo is... Um, this is interesting. Uh, this is from Adam Smithers of Aylesbury, Buckinghamshire, who has basically made a Sonic Tails and Knuckles out of Lego. But what he's done is they're so uniform that I almost wonder if he did them up on the computer and then made them out of Lego after the fact or something. Because So it's it's not that much like Sonic. It's all the right colours. It's a standing figure. But then it's been adjusted very well to be the three different characters. It looks like graphics to me. It looks like something that they've knocked together on whatever you had in those days, MS Paint or something. <laughs> I think that's overthinking it, honestly. Could be, yes. Yeah, you can you can just figure this out in mm. with your hands. It's Lego for goodness sakes. I guess I've never followed a pattern in that way where I've made something out of Lego and then replicated it a few times. Yes. Well, what kind of Lego maker are you? Oh, oh I'm strictly by the book. I don't I can't improvise at all. Instructions only. Yeah. Not like this show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what noise that was, but it was sincere. <laughs> When you're not using your eyes to read your fave comic, those hands are obviously being put to good use too. If the humes around here were half as talented as you lot, my time on this planet would be much simpler. Mm. I feel like that's the second implication in living memory that Megadroid has suggested he's not from Earth. Yes. I can't remember what the other one was, but I just feel like we've No, but I remember going, no, it was created in a lab. It was created in a lab. We know this. (laughs) Issue three or four, we know this from. What if this... What? Here's my idea for you. What if this isn't Megadroid? What if this thing came to Earth, killed Megadroid, and... (laughs) Megadroid 2, the new model Megadroid that came in with the redesign. He's nothing like Megadroid. The only similarity is he's got his eyes. Well, what if he ripped off his eyes and stuck them to his own face? And started wearing them like a predator taking a trophy. Exactly. Yeah, I think we need to be wary of this guy. This is the space Megadroid, and I'm not... (laughs) The space Megadroid from space. (laughs) Therefore inherently suspicious. I mean, the sentence does read fine on its own, and my time on this planet would be much simpler. It's something you can hear your mum saying. Yeah, exactly. But... My time on the Coupled earth. with whatever that previous reference was. I don't remember what it was. Mm. I'm just starting to think they've forgotten Megadroid's true roots. Yeah, that he killed all those scientists. That's a murderous <laughs> human creation. <laughs> no future. 
Written by Lou Stringer, art by Mick McMahon, letters by Tom Frame. An energy blast from a new model Badnik sends Sonic a thousand years into the future to a world where Dr. Robotnik long ago reconquered Mobius and where his robots now remain in control, dominating a populace so used to oppression that they've come to enjoy it. But Sonic finds it all a bit too unbelievable and deduces that the Badnik didn't send him through time, it's projecting false images into his mind. The cool blue one breaks the illusion and destroys the bot, more confident than ever that Robotnik's vision of the future will never come to pass. Like, speaking of time travel, kind of feels like this time travelled somewhere out of the first 20 issues of the comic as a story. <laughs> it's slighter than we're used to in the last few issues, yes. isn't it? because we, we've few been having issues. the last hundred or so issues well all right yeah but we've been having the um uh, i mean in the top slot we've just come off knuckles metallic we've just come off the dracon empire we've had slight ones in the in the top position but yes this feels like it was written maybe to be later in the comic but the thing is this is lou who has previously given us mobians who say things like Oh, I missed being oppressed or whatever it was. What was that thing? Yeah. Oh, I miss being miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here, what he is doing with this is he's going, no, he says, if you ever find yourself, young boomers in the early 90s, if you ever find yourself in the future living in a country willing to be oppressed and given the boot by the fash, then it's your cue to wake up and start breaking the tools of the oppressor. Because that's an impossible future the overlords want to simulate by making you forget who you are, rise up. <laughs> Mate, I get it. All right. <laughs> Flip the record for an issue, please. That's what he's doing. That's what his job is on STC. I have been radicalized, okay? He's the anti fast Could I now have one where Sonic fights a robot? <laughs> fights well he does. Well he anyway. doesn't well he sort of does. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> get a new idea. It's the fact that it's told through the prism of Sonic seeing a terrible future where Robotnik conquered the planet. Yeah. Mate, the last hundred issues. Mm. That's a really interesting thing. This is about conquering the fascist regime when that's been done. We did it. Done. We, we done that. Yeah. So Lou's come up with a way to do it again. again. And again. And again. And again. It, but it doesn't this, like... I'm not arguing with Nigel's theory that he has you know what it was that he was saying that if you just have them lose and the regime stays in power all the time then that's a hopeless message and he wanted to say no you can stand against them the problem is the stories have run out and they're struggling like he's trying to do something with the dracons he's trying to bring a new thing in to keep the story going yeah whereas stringer doesn't really have anything left to work with here stringer is a children's satirist which is an amazing thing to be but he has had some of his tools taken away by the ongoing story at the moment and i'm guessing he's thinking well look I'm going to do this for a little while because any minute now, this new Nigel's working on his thing over there. These dracons are going to come in. There's going to be a new big power to fight against, and we can pick up where we left off. But um, yeah, fash, fash bad, fash bad. I, I mean, uh, there aren't even any really good jokes, is the thing. Because obviously, it's all got a comedic bent to it because it's a stringer yeah. strip and normally there's a couple of at least laughs in there. Like even Bravehog provided us with quite a bit of entertainment. Yeah, but you know. So we just have this sort of silly idea that these weirdo underbite frog-faced-looking badniks <laughs> come and boot the Mobians, who are all these sort of generic purple blob cats. And all right, and one gets a boot, and then one simply simply does a Kenny Everett quote. 
Oh, you are awful. Yeah. And the oh, a bad Nick gave me the luxury of a real duffing up last week. Oh, you're lucky you only called me a useless punk. I liked the luxury of a real duffing up. That was a good yeah. line. Is that, uh, <laughs> that, whatever. But uh, the one, the one good one, one guy is going, eh, hey, it's only natural to be a slave. And then a bad Nick bonks him on the head. He goes, ow, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the bad Nick says, sniveling worm. You will be disintegrated into dust. Oh, sand. Can you do the family too? Yeah, he says sound. I love that. Sand. Sound. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah, and then Sonic realizes it's not real. Pulls The the implication seems to be that the tentacles of the robot were maybe on either side of his temples or something. Yes, yeah, so he reaches up and grabs midair and pulls it off pulls his head. Pulls him away. He realizes it wasn't real because the real citizens of Mobius would never give in like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's it. You know, it's like as a premise, it feels like a story written from before the time when he actually did actually conquer the planet, and then we actually did beat him. Feels like it's retreading old ground. Not particularly funny. I got to tell you, man, this is when I'm really starting to not feel McMahon's Sonic art as well. I don't know what it was about Bravehog. Oh, I didn't mind it in this one. No. Um, but but I'll tell you why, and it's actually because of something that you've said that might be why you're not feeling it. Is because yes, this is like the first twenty issues of STC. Okay. It feels like yeah. the comic has chosen to go back to that. To artistically regress. Because back then, what the Sonic bit of STC was, was the kids bit. That uh, was the kiddies bit. Yeah, it's a weird way to describe it, but it's true, yeah. Yeah, and then the rest of it was, that was where you had your golden axes and your shinobis and things, and then gradually Sonic filled that role, and so those were not required anymore for mm-hmm. kids getting older. They didn't, they didn't need that, because they had the death egg and stuff like this. Mm. And um, now... This is a Sonic story from from then, and it's an example of we've seen in the last few issues, and we've commented on it, that basically Nigel's Sonic strips are starting to feel like the old one out, mm. because yeah. the comic is pitching younger now. And younger and younger, and this issue quite possibly feels like the... I'm sorry, this this the issue as a whole, we're only on the first strip here, but we might as well say it now up front now that you brought it up. I yeah. mean, this issue feels like the single worst example of that we have yet to experience. Well, if you call it worst. I mean, to us, the age we were. Worst example of that. Yeah. Most well, egregious example of yes. it. I'm not... The biggest example. Biggest, yes, yes, yes. Not talking in terms of quality, talking in terms of voluminosity. It's... T- <laughs> it is... T- no, I, I would have I said the same thing. It is tempting to say worst because of the age that I was when I was reading it. I remember thinking this was a bad thing that was happening. I- I mean, I I can't say that it's not, Mm -hmm. because it'd be one thing, it would be one thing, and I think we said this last week, it would be one thing if it was simply that we as an audience had been getting older. Yeah. And aging up out of the comic and no longer feeling connected to it in that way. But it's not just that. The comic is regressing, to use the word I just used. Yeah, no, it's deliberately it doing this. Yeah, aiming its stuff at a younger audience. Well, so w- what I assume that means is the market research has proven that that's the age that's buying this thing now. And so they're going, okay, well, we better make that for them then. So there'll be kids who this was for. Well, I don't think... But Well, I don't... I mean, N- Nigel doesn't seem to do that with his stories. He, no, he seems he to doesn't. do the same thing he ever did. Yes. You know? Yes. And is, and is it just that this is just simply the way Stringer tends... Well, no, because remember Brutus? I do remember Brutus, but that was the exception rather than the rule when it came to Stringer stories. No, back in that era, the initial setup of the Looniverse was that sort of thing. We were going on about how, like, in has stepped this other writer who, like, wait a minute, didn't he write Kitty Ones? No. Turns out he's writing on... Mm, This is true, yeah. I think he's doing what he's he's doing now. 
again, we'll get to it, but I do feel like the Emmy story is the highlight of this issue because yeah. it's the one that's actually trying to be an action serial that's actually continuing on the stories of characters and everything. So it's not like he stopped doing it or anything. Yeah. Well, this is it. This is it. It's just that it seems like when he's tasked with writing a standalone, this is what happens. I suppose my overall point is that it seems clear to me that the editor is wanting to pitch this younger, as we've said. And the one remaining holdover, the one remaining sort of bastion of action adventure serialized comic storytelling in the thing the sonic strip the one strip is the sonic strip which is increasingly starting to feel like it's from another publication um you know like how like um like in the german version of stc they would have a mr t strip (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is this is now thinking about and toying with just becoming a comic for younger children and this we're sort of dancing around it because we want to do the rest of the episode but you'll find that this issue is an example of that yes <laughs> I mean, but to my point about i feel like if 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 elson had drawn this i might have different feelings about it but mcmahon is he still draws quite a nice sonic no 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 harm to him in that regard or anything yeah but you just have to look at what he's drawn for backgrounds and things here. It's just like, sometimes it's simply just a curvy horizon line, and then it's a flood fill. Not literally a flood fill, yeah, because yeah. you can see the media strokes here, so this has been done by hand. Yes, it's definitely done physical. Whether it's paint or pen or whatever. But um, that's why I say that the designer added that sun on the cover, because there's no kind of visual interest like that going on in the strip at all mm. and this feels like it's got some worse than Bravehog examples of the way he's approaching the design of Sonic's world with his dumbass googly-eyed badniks <laughs> and these weird distended plasticine mobians so um like in isolation in isolation mm-hmm. a seven page is like whatever it's fine but in the grand scheme of things it feels like it doesn't bode well mm. Next issue, The Detour. Uh, well, I hope this issue was The Detour. I mean, get things back <laughs> on track. Next issue. Tales. Channel Hoppers. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Tom Frame. The kids of Mobius are loving the newest TV craze channel hoppers. But when the show's audience starts worshipping Dr. Robotnik, Tails gets suspicious. He soon discovers that the show is the work of DRAT, the Dr. Robotnik Appreciation Tribe, who are brainwashing kids with subliminal messaging in the program. So Tails retunes the broadcast to let the people know what they're up to and gets the baddies run out of town. So tell me this, did you do what I did? Did you turn the page and go, oh? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that was the exact noise I made. But the sentiment was very much there, yes. Oh. You, off the cuff, hearing the title last issue, thought this would maybe be a sucked into the TV type story where the channel would change. I could not have guessed why they're called channel hoppers and what it is, yeah. Nope. Folks, it's 1997. (laughs) They're the Teletubbies. Dinky winky. Dinky winky. Dipsy. La la. La la. Ho. So this was an era when the Teletubbies had been six months on the air 
and yeah. uh, starting to climb the Zeitgeist ladder. I didn't even. Re I was like, I was amazed it was that soon after I know. That it debuted. You know, I actually think Lou's really got his finger on the pulse here. Yeah, they dived into the heart of like popular culture and really yeah. took over the news cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is happening as a response to them already. Yeah, they're. Infamy, if you want to call that, was mostly based on the yeah. the vague concerns of the vague concern engines that are still chugging along today. Mm. Uh, they'd been brought in... I locked this up. You can tell I've done my research here. I didn't know this off the cuff. The Teletubbies have been brought in this March to replace the axed Playdays. That's where we are. Playdays is gone. I don't think I ever actually put that together. That no, me neither. The Teletubbies replaced Playdays. Me neither, but they did. And the controversy surrounding them at this time was mostly just that they were quite annoying to grown-ups. Specifically that they talked in baby sounds instead of talking yeah. to the babies in their audience in words. Yeah. So the worry was that like like Play School, which had been an educational sort of program, and Playdays also had been, but in a, in a slightly different way, they'd always been a source of, of language learning. Grown-ups are talking to you and this wasn't. But this was not... we. What we hadn't had yet was any of the, like, attempts to really drum up... In a couple of years over in America, the right-wing televangelist who blames 9-11 on the gays later on, he decides one of these Teletubbies might be gay propaganda. Yeah, Thinky Winky had a handbag. Did that come... Did Americans come up with that? Yeah. Yeah, that was when it went over there. It was Jerry Falwell himself, the moral majority. It was him. And, you know, what? A, there was no reason for us to even listen to or talk about that. So the fact that it's recognisable at all to us is, is a bit of a shame. But um, I remember being a teenager when this was happening. And this wasn't the kind of thing, as far as I was concerned, that like even teenagers could like watch ironically. It was no, proper. No. It was senseless. Apparently they did. <laughs> Some teenagers did, not you or I. No. This is before even the theme tune has topped the charts. So, yeah. so Lou has got his finger on the pulse here. Yeah, couldn't argue with it, yeah. And the story is about ripping the piss out of it, to be fair, yeah. as well. You know, as much as we're talking about the comic targeting younger audiences, yeah. it's the kids are rung up above that, the ones who will have absolutely the least time for Teletubbies possible, never mind the parents. Uh, yeah. The ones who... <laughs> the ones whose little baby brothers and sisters yeah. are the, watching this. The ones and, yeah. who would be furious that you would think they would be young enough to be into it. Yes. Because uh, we get this bit with the parents. Tails thinks that a group of stampeding children are coming to get his autograph, but they just trample over him because they're actually going to the telly to watch the new program. Uh, and Tails is like, Jesus. And the parents are like, yeah, we know how you feel. Channel hoppers are so tasteless that anyone with an IQ greater than a three-year-old's is nauseated by them. <laughs> and then the dad, which is... Um, Tis yourself there, Dave. Yes, I in the form yeah. in the form of a lion. In the form of a lion, yeah. Tis yourself. Yeah. Um, goes. <laughs> but hey, what can you do? By the way, have we said why they're called the Channel Hoppers? Oh yeah, because they go about on space hoppers. Yes, they're Teletubbies on space hoppers is what they are, and they've got a siren light on their head instead of the things Teletubbies have. The antenna things, which is going to turn out to be a thing. Is it? Yeah, it's what they use to broadcast the signal. Is it? Isn't it? Isn't that why their lights are flashing in that one panel? I actually don't know that it is. No, no I think that's just a little. It might not be. Flare no, of a little, a little Carl Flint flare. Yeah. It happens to be while they're explaining that they're using yes. propaganda. Um, but yes, it may not be. I took it to mean that that's the that that's it switched on. But no, maybe not. It's been a hot minute since we've had a Carl Flint story, isn't it? The last one was what yeah, that I've one where tails got uh, tails got tough. Yeah. With his sideways mouths mm. that people have. Um, I suddenly remembered that donkey that he was hanging out with and things. Um, uh, um, 
It's not great, is it? Mick McMahon. Loving Mick McMahon. This yeah, uh, by comparison, this is a rough flint joint. All the Mobians are bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, the kids, they're all little tigers. Like They're the, the children of this lion, tiger, big cat man. But when they come out the house after they've finished watching the program, it's like a gang of local greasers. Yes, I, I confess I couldn't tell if they were meant to be children. Kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They simply don't look like children. Look at that one cracking his knuckles. Possibly her knuckles. Especially as, if you look on the first page, the one on the left has a, a pierced ear. Like, are these infants? Oh, yes, it's got a pierced ear. I don't even know. You can't tell. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not great work. I mean, it's cute that it turns out to be Drat again, so the Looniverse mm. grows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice, nice to see them again. There, there is that. And the conclusion of the story is that, that Tails has retuned the broadcast to carry a message that tells everyone what they're up to. And how did he get the broadcast retuned? Dave, you have to say it, because if I say it, it doesn't work in my accent. <laughs> okay. He did it by calling on his friend Tim Tuner, the TV retuner. Who is, of course, a man with a fish's head and a bowl over yeah, it. Yeah, we've, we've seen a couple of guys like that uh, in Flint yeah. Stringer strips before. That's right. Tim Tuner, the TV retuner. That's, mm. uh, yeah, that's, that's him there, all right. That works when I say it. I liked that joke. Yes, I chuckled at it, because uh, <laughs> partially because it, I had to read it twice to get it. Because <laughs> oh, right, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't. I'm sorry, folks, but yeah. I don't hear things in a British accent inside mm. my head. I had to get to the end of the sentence to realize it was meant to be a joke, then go back to the start and read it again with the yeah. accent to properly understand what was going on. Even though it's it's tales, so we know that you're not reading it in the Cockney voice, just quietly to yourself. Oh no, That's I don't not... read it quietly to myself. Yeah. I turn the tables on you by having Ting Tune of the TV retune and block your broadcast. Yay! <laughs> See again, what Lou's done is he's gone right, Telly tubbies people are annoyed by the teletubbies what if i turn it into it's literally evil propaganda that'll yeah. be fun the problem is that the solution to that is good propaganda which is <laughs> that's not necessarily any different they tales is just he's still hypnotizing people but just to- is he though that's the question the broadcast carried a message telling everyone what you were up to was it subliminal or was it that's what i i took it to be subliminal you know was it a superliminal broadcast from taz Oh, right, Listen so you might up. have just come up on the screen and gone yeah. like, Right then, everyone, don't watch this crap. Yeah. I don't know, I don't think you can do that with a retuner. I think you can hypnotise people with a retuner. I don't think you can do any of this with a TV <laughs> retuner. I don't think, I don't, yeah, I think that was a joke in search of a plot. <laughs> so I'm not sure. There's only one thing left to say to you, losers. Right, everybody? And then the whole gang goes, Yeah! yeah hop it! Because oh, the channel hoppers. Yeah. I'm 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 weary, Dave. It's not for us this issue. It is not. Next issue, Fall of the Leaf, Part One. Now I do remember the leaf. Okay, I don't. Conceptually, mm, okay. I don't remember anything about the story, anything what they get up to. I just remember what that's about. And it's a part one. And when Lou does a multi-parter, there is always a little something more to it. Yeah, that makes it a little bit more worthwhile. You know, I don't I don't think there's a Lou two-parter that we've had any kind of reaction like this to before. No. And speaking of the declining state of popular things. <laughs> it's Kellogg's Cocoa Pops, nutritious rice cereal, 
So I've never noticed. Does it say that on Cocoa Pops? I've never noticed. I before. don't know. I'm sorry, Dave. The way you just said that, it's Cocoa Pops. I feel like I should have been listening to Coco the Monkey, and it was like there was a certain tone okay. to your voice that was almost there. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll step it up what? one. It's Kellogg's Cocoa Pops. Safari in my pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're it's we're back to the good old days of Kellogg's adverts of Kellogg's cereals coming with little doodads and this is an example of this. Um, it's not an especially good little set of doodads. No, but whatever. We had Monster in my pocket. Yeah. Then the UK took hold of the reins and ran off <laughs> and got Monster wrestlers in my pocket. Yeah. And then we got Monster sports stars in my pocket, which were exclusive to Frosties. Right. And now we have. Safari in my pocket. Not not safari not, not in monster my safari in my pocket. No, no. Just these are monsters. Safari in my pocket. Do you know there's a few steps between there? This is what I looked up. So obviously the name is a riff on monster in my pocket. Mm-hmm. That was the original thing in my pocket thing. Presumably that all came from like the micro machines craze and Polly Pocket and all of that and that and then monster in my pocket, right? Monster in my pocket was made by Matchbox in 1990, and they are not present here. There's no Matchbox here. No, yeah, this is Vivid Imaginations who took over it in the UK. This is it. So what happened was, in 1994, Vivid Imaginations were a completely different company, unaffiliated with Matchbox, and they released Kitty in my pocket. Kitty in my pocket, lots of kitties for me. 25 adorable kitties to care for and collect, and kitties love their window seat. Now I can take them all home with me. And puppy in my pocket. Puppy in my pocket, there's a new family. Beautiful mommies with four tiny babies. They look so real. You can collect them all. Now I can take them all home with me. New puppy in my pocket comes with one mommy and four babies in a set. Each sold separately. Which were blind bag figures. I think that those were competing toy lines by the respective companies. I haven't been able to find any connection. But maybe they had some manufacturing technique or something, I don't know, because by at least 1996, possibly earlier, Matchbox stopped making Monster in the Pockets themselves, and instead they were being manufactured by Vivid Toys. And that was when Monster in the Pocket started... Well, that was when I stopped liking them then, because they started being... Well, quite apart from the fact that they started being wrestlers... More than one colour. That was when they introduced multiple colours, yes. Oh my god, is that really the reason, you massive dork? (laughs) No, no. the fact that they had multiple colours, I wasn't like, oh, I don't like this then. They just weren't good anymore. And that coincided when they had multiple colours. I just... They weren't... Mm, I didn't get it anymore. I didn't, they weren't just monsters. They were something else. Because Wrestlers was after we'd gone through Space Aliens as well. Do you remember? Mm. We saw those advertised in a, in a yeah. Kentucky Fried Chicken advert many moons yeah. ago in STC. I wonder if those were vivid. I don't know. Mm, no, um, now, I haven't found any evidence of any Safari Man Pocket being sold separately outside Cocoa Pops. No, so these seem to have be exclusive, exclusive yeah. only to Cocoa Pops. No monster in my pocket wiki articles or separate dedicated wikias make any mention of this. No. It is clearly an outgrowth of the brand from the same company after they gave up doing monster creature wrestler sportsmen. Well, that's the thing. It's this interesting, like, separate branch. This is an outgrowth of kitty and puppy in my pocket, but they're using the same in my pocket because now it's all the same thing. They've done Teddy in my pocket in Cocoa Pops. They've done Animal Hospital in my pocket. That was basically the same as kitty and puppy, but they put little bandages on them (laughs) it turns out to be slightly more interesting than that they didn't just at one point bring out animal hospital ones the entire brand pivoted to be animal hospital ones forever that that was it forever so that leads us to here where we have safari in my pocket now you can create your own spectacular jungle safari 
by collecting Safari in my pocket animal figures free <laughs> with special packs of Kellogg's Cocoa Pops. There are eight pocket-sized painted Safari animals to collect, as well as Kellogg's very own Coco Monkey. He lives in a tree. Yeah. You'll love the realistic zebra. That's what it says. You'll love the realistic zebra. I mean, first off, it's not really. But second no, off, why have you put that there? Well, I think they're distinguishing it from Coco. Oh, because Coco isn't realistic. He's, he's not a realistic. It's not a Coco's friend's zebra. You love the realistic zebra, elephant, and panda. You may not love these, but there's also, it goes on to say, <laughs> a kangaroo, lion, and even... And even a snake and warthog. Can you flip it? Can you credit that? There's even a snake and a warthog. Well, I never. Well, why would you put a snake and a warthog in there? They are bad and evil animals, <laughs> as all media have told me. Warthogs? What about Pumba? Uh, what about Bebop? Oh, yeah. Deeply, far more deeply ingrained. Pumba was some weird exception that it was okay to present a warthog as a heroic figure. <laughs> the joke was that he was a goodie. <laughs> Subversive Lion King nonsense. <laughs> um... The snake one, it's not so clear here, but I've seen other angles of it on eBay and the like. Just looks like a curled up poo. It, I was going to say like a little poop. That's yep. what it resembles. They're not very good. Nope, they're not painted very well. They're extremely soft sculpts, so that there's mm. no detail, no. No, very blobby. You can't get these safari in my pocket model animals anywhere else, so don't miss out. Start collecting from Kellogg's Gagai Pops today! Now, uh, look, I'll never turn down a little toy of something in, your, in with in your, your cereal. cereal. So, had I been, you know, one day there I am eating my Cocoa Pops and out pops a little elephant. Yeah, sure, thanks. That little elephant would be perched on your mantelpiece still today if that had happened. It, look. That wasn't that wasn't a joke or an ironic statement. I won't go that far. I would. But it would be in my box of little bits. Yeah. You would still own <laughs> it today. I'd still have yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the one interesting one is the little Coco the monkey. Yeah, that's the one you'd want. So Yeah, because it's the main one. That would still be on your mantle. That would still be up. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, everything's getting worse. Stiff. <laughs> everything's just... <laughs> this is what monster no, in my pocket is now. The world is getting worse. We've got the internet now. Tails fought the Teletubbies. Yeah. And monster in my pocket is real animals. Yeah. Everything's all Peter Andre now, isn't it? <laughs> Westlife have probably started. Everything's getting worse. And STC thinks it's okay to have football-themed pinups in the center pages. Oh, my God. Pinup. <laughs> the pinups are getting worse. The, and that's I mean, and that's saying, saying something. something. <laughs> <laughs> the pinup is the final panel from that football-themed decapitac strip from a bunch of issues ago. Yeah, but it's actually quite a nice yeah, it's, piece of art to make a pinup out of. It's well drawn. It's mm -hmm. been turned into a poster perfectly well. It's just unfortunate. It's about football. It's literally just that. It's the characters from Decap, but they're celebrating a football win. Yeah. And, and Igor's holding the cup up. And it's like, well... It's the poster that's least demonstrative of, of what, what decap, decap attack, attack is. is that you could possibly come up with. They felt the need to label the characters in little black boxes, too. <laughs> it looks like one of those 1970s label makers, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, they label him Chuck D. Yeah. As if Head was a separate guy, and I never thought that about him, you know. I never thought that he was Chuck D and no, he was Head, and together they were Chuck D Head. No, that isn't what it is. I always just thought Chuck D Head was his name. But then at the same time, it is. Why have we never noticed that one of them's called Chuck D Head and the other one's called Head? Because he's just his head and he chucks his head. Yeah, but it is weird though, right? That two characters who are who sit in the same space in the same 
place. I mean, it's not actually his name, though, is it? Right. It's not on his birth certificate. I suppose not, no. I mean, I suppose, come to think, the professor did... Oh, wait! They share a brain! They do share a brain! They're the same guy! And the professor did christen him Chuck D. Head when Igor put Head on his shoulders in that first strip. Well, I know. Maybe maybe the Head has always stood for Head all along. God. Maybe they are like the Mega Dragon Zord of the Decapitex (laughs) strip, you know? Well, yeah. Wow. Why have we never thought of this before? never thought of it like that before, but... (laughs) Yeah, I think no one's brought it to our attention. I'm hesitant to say this, but I think, I think we might have been wrong. <laughs> all right, end the podcast. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> we always said that if this ever happened, <laughs> we'd hang up our hats. <laughs> we cannot hang up our hats yet, Dave. There are two more strips to go through before we finish this issue. Right. Oh goodness. Right. As a, you have to <laughs> yeah. make your own f- fun, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's raining bananas! Yay! Hey! Oh boy! Bananas! Hey kids, looking forward to today's video! Oh, Coco the Monkey! Written by Lou Stringer! Art by Andy Pritchett! Letters by Ellie DeVille! Oh god, I've just realised as I'm talking like this. This is the voice that Flippin' Williams does when he's talking to children. He's oh, Coco no. the Monkey! Oh no, stop! Stop immediately! Letters by Ellie DeVille! A device made by Grimer goes slightly awry and makes bananas begin to rain down from the sky. They threaten to bury the Emerald Hill Zone till Sonic returns them to sender with a Sonic Cyclone. Yep. So everybody, um, guess what? This whole thing's a rhyming one. That's gonna be good, isn't it? Why? <laughs> I feel like I'm asking that question more and more often. I don't need your whole face pressed up against my nose like that. <laughs> I asked why whenever Decapitac did a Turtles parody halfway through their gangster story last issue. <laughs> why? This time I turned the page and went, oh dear. Yes, this was an oh no moment. Yeah. What on earth is this? Now, that that is a personal response to any time anything is done in rhyme. Like, it's never good, is it? It's never good. I mean, unless it's... I mean, like, when something that isn't normally... I'm not sitting through Hamilton going like, well, this is rubbish, they're rhyming all the time. <laughs> unless there's something purposeful to it. You know, unless you're actively parodying The Grinch or something. But we're a little too early for... I mean, I never was exposed to Dr. Seuss as a kid. Oh, we're not, never. No, well, that's what I was going to say. I don't have any association with it for childhood. What about you? Yeah, it wasn't the big deal that is for Americans. You know, we weren't all constantly handed yeah. Dr. Seuss books. It just so happened that two of the cartoons came on TV, neither of which was either The Grinch or The Cat in the Hat. I didn't see either of those till I was an adult. No, what were the others? What did you see? So one was The Lorax. Sure, okay. That was quite good. And the other was The Hooba Bloob Highway, which is actually a TV exclusive. It's not based on a book. That's good. That's a good little cartoon. I've never heard of that one. The Hooba Bloob Highway, in case you don't know. Starts way up above and ends way down below. It starts far beyond where the astronauts go. And far, far beyond where the group grow. I, I genuinely don't... 
I think my first exposure to the Grinch was probably seeing it briefly on mm. a television in a film. It was rare. It was not the mainstay of uh, children's things. Yeah. Bit more now today after the films came out and sort of got it a oh, bit well, more. Yeah, obviously. But I wouldn't have made the connection. Are you, are you thinking that this is a Dr. Seuss thing? Well, no, that's it. I mean, it's where my mm. mind goes mm-hmm. first. Because you see this and that's just what you assume. It's the same kind of meter. Mm. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a gibberish concept. Mm. Uh, of well, bananas rained one day, uh, but it's but it's simply too. It feels like it's too early for that to be a thing in the UK. Yeah, I just think it's a general children's books thing. You know, I think that uh, it's you know. I guess I mean yeah, there's plenty of kids books written yeah. in that rhyming meter. So and so I guess that is all that it is, which is what makes me ask why. If I thought a Doctor Seuss film had come out and had really yeah. like penetrated the UK in that way and had put him at the forefront of pop culture at this moment in 1997, the way the Teletubbies were mm. and we come to it in the final strip the way something else impacts on the final strip then i could understand why yes but otherwise it's just like this strip who's doing a children's book version joke story for sonic and why we're already grappling with what the rest of the comic the age group it's being targeted at and then this and then this oh well there you are again it feels to me like this is an experimental issue what if we put one out that is for tots. What if we did that? Would it go down well? I don't give it that credit. Why not? I think this just happens to have lined up that way. Yeah, well, I suppose so. But it's made by people, you know, the decisions are being made. Yeah, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think they sit there and move the pieces around and the strings on their murder wall to figure out exactly what strips are going to run side by side well, in every issue. they might, they might not. I mean, it's they, it, that's what their job is. The question is whether or not they do it. Yeah. <laughs> So this may be a deliberate whole issue targeted younger or it may be an accident. The end result is the same either way. Well, I mean, we've reached the point which is the ultimate end result of that, which we have a rhyming story about one day in the Dell, you know. Bananas fell from the sky. Mm. And it's because a machine that Grimer made that was supposed to make missiles made bananas instead. Now, I'm going to pivot to being nice about this. When I started this... I was sure it was going to be dreadful because I almost always hate these things. The ones mm. that I hate the most is when it's uh, actually a, like a satirical show for grown-ups, you know, the, the Now Show or something like this. Actually, I think I'm specifically thinking of the Now Show, where they would occasionally do a parody of Watch With Mother or something, but it, I don't know, it was just always very out of date, I thought. But that sort of thing, when someone's doing a parody of kids stuff and they'll do it all in rhyme, I almost always hate those. Yep. Actually, lose all right at this. Not all of the rhymes are obvious. Some of the phrases that he's putting in are outside of the usual stock of rhyming lines. Sure, yeah. I mean, look, listen. Loosteringer is good. Yes, that's the thing. What it all boils down to is, regardless of the greater problems floating over it all, mm. when it comes down to craft, mm. he's good. Yeah, he's very good at his job. So he's putting in little phrases that I really liked. I thought, if you follow my notion, was in one of the lines. That was a nice uh, natural phrase. What was that in? It's an experiment gone wrong, if you'll follow my notion. They're from Flicky's Island, across the vast ocean. If you'll follow my notion, that's a nice little yeah. uh, natural phrase to put in. I also liked, a machine to make missiles was the plan in his head, but a faulty connection launched bananas instead. Oh, you got me. I like that. That that made me <laughs> laugh. Uh, the plan in his head, I like that. So, lots of it is is well constructed it's it's the only th- if i object to anything here it's the concept i liked most of the art oh yeah no that's i wanted to get around to the art because there's andy pritchett mm. and um andy pritchett's good it's andy unfortunate good. that he is still being pressured into drawing bad wrong sonic 3d sonic yes. but he is doing a much 
better job of it this time than he was the last time he did it in that prisoner two-part story and his art style absolutely bang on works for the sort of children's book that this is meant to resemble so i wonder if he's not even slightly working that angle of it you know i feel like his art has never They've never quite looked like such a bunch of little guys. No, exactly, before, yeah. The way he draws Moby. And- That's what I, I think so, yeah. So it's a lovely little village that they're all living in. There's duck people and dog people. If you had this book when you were four years old or three years old, do you know what it looks a little bit like? The Finder Duck books. You know I the- don't know those books. Oh, well, there are some books that look a bit like this. We have Finder Duck. The, the last page where they're all sitting at the cafe, there's a duck yeah. guy, a pig guy, a cat guy, a couple of dogs. It's all very, very sweet. I was going to say, if you had these books when you were three or four years old, your primary reaction would probably be, what the hell is that blue spiky thing in the middle of all these lovely little animals? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I really like the badger at the bottom of page one. Oh, there's one thing about the Sonic that I really like. Page one. Look at Sonic, ho-rum-dee-dum-dee-dumming through the town. <laughs> he's got his Elson posing his little hard out, but just for a walk down the street. Swinging his arms to their full extent as he goes along. Hee-dee-dum-da-dee-dum-dee-dum. <laughs> it's not news, we already knew it, but he draws a lovely Grimer as well. I'd say the best, I think, I feel like I said it last time we drew it, but gotta be the best Grimer Yes, although it doesn't fit the aesthetic of the sweet little animal town. That's in the- Hey, welcome to Sonic the Comic. Exactly. In the same way as Sonic stands out, Grimer stands In fact, I would say that this kind of colouring doesn't so much work on his Grimer. The way that it works on his lovely badger fella and his lovely cat fella and things like that, you know? I quite like the colouring on Grimer, but um, it is all just quite lovely. Yeah, that's the thing. It's lovely, and, and Grimer's not lovely. <laughs> no, Grimer is the opposite of lovely. It's in his name. Yeah. But yes, all the art here is great. And if if I'm reading this and I'm in children's publishing, I'm getting this guy's number to do a book straight away. Oh, yeah. And if, uh, the whole thing even does manage to end with uh, with a stringer stinger mm. where um where they're all they're all at the cafe and they're sitting down to some ice cream and that this they they the Mobians say, "You saved us again. Let us treat you. Please sit." <laughs> Thanks, but after today, I can't face banana split. There's a temptation there to make it a kind of da-da-da banana something something I split sort of thing you know mm. but um, not taken and because it's here's the thing because it's presented in rhyme this whole strip lasts 10 seconds yeah because you just read it bit and you're done you read it you forget it you move on I do like a silly comic whether it be in STC sure, or sure. not so the idea that someone pressed the wrong button on a machine and it made bananas everywhere appeals to me um Appeals to you You didn't even know it folks That's how talented a comedian David (laughs) Bulmer Esquire is (laughs) So yes Many of the individual parts of this issue I like It's not very good for making this podcast about Because we've specially formatted this podcast For a particular kind of comic That STC has been for the longest time The comic that we remember it being And enjoying it being and it's it's like you say, I can enjoy a silly comic too. Yeah. But fundamentally, the difference, I think, between you and I is uh-huh. you are much more willing to tolerate them being <laughs> in Sonic the comic. And I don't mean that as a joke. Like, I would be quite happy if I never saw anything like this in Sonic the comic again. <laughs> yeah. And I do think it's an interesting conundrum. Uh-huh. Because I tapped out of Sonic the comic basically right as the best stuff stopped. It sounds like I'm just saying that because it's the stuff I read when I was young. But it's not. 
It's the same thing we always joke about. Mm -hmm. It's like, it does in fact just so happen that I stopped reading it right as the best bit of it stopped. But you also kept reading it yep. and experienced this and yeah. had all that teenage rage. <laughs> and you've come out the other end of it, much more tolerant of going back to it. Um, yeah. Where I am now like, ugh. Well, it's, it, but there are steps along the way. Um, the reason why I'm perfectly comfortable with this is because I make these now. And so it's like, yeah, this is a children's comic. Of course it's like this. Yeah, but, it's for children. Like Sonic, yeah, okay. But Sonic the comic is not monster fun, is it? That's the thing. The thing that's happening here is that the tone has changed. And they have just started making another comic. It is weird. It's weird that it's this comic that this happened to. They do feel like two completely different comics. Well, like yes. When you, when you compare what it used to be yes. to what it degenerated into. So what I wonder is, that moment where you tapped out, was that normal? That's a good question. Is that what everybody did? And that is why, as frustrating as it is to admit, mm -hmm. that Fleetway's audience cycling reprint system was not a bad one now but that's weird isn't it because we know that they are even if you don't say that it happened here we know that at some point this does end up being pitched at a younger audience but they're running reprints from when it wasn't well the reprints do eventually go on long enough that they start reprinting stuff from <laughs> when it was okay fair enough <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah so i wonder if I wonder if there was a migration, and your thing of stopping reading STC at a certain point, and it was the point where they brought in Judge Dredd to deliberately pull you out and into a new thing. Maybe people moved from it to Roy of the Rovers. Maybe people moved from it from other things. So, maybe, you know, like, why am I still reading it? Because I was obsessed with it and had all these internet friends who were into Sonic comics. Yeah. It's weird that I was still reading. It's not weird that you had stopped. So, therefore, it, can we think it was weird that they went... Well, let's make this for the people who are reading it then, the younger kids. The question is, what's changed in the well, but, but, X number of years? notionally, the younger kids who were reading it are the age I was exactly. when I started reading it. Exactly. So why is it not still good like that? That's the question. What has changed in the market or in whatever, in the however many years it's been running now, that when it started, what you presented to that age group was a lizard beast being cut down the middle with a big sword and now it's rhyming bananas stories about falling bananas from falling sky. from the sky yeah we've said you know i haven't thought about this mm -hmm. for quite a while but we used to say it a while back and i'm reminded of it again now is that sonic the comic did sort of represent the dying of an age of the british kids comic of the heights of the 80s to the bagged plastic tat of the 2000s yeah for I don't want to say four babies because if I, it sounds like I'm being purposefully dismissive. Well, no, but deliberately pitched at a younger audience. Yeah. For, for, for babies in many regards, in many cases, barring reprints of American Marvel comic books in a whole different size and format that have to yeah. sit on a different shelf down at the front of the newsagents instead of where all the regular magazines sat. And I guess that's got to be part of this, right? Let me introduce an unpleasant idea. What if we did this ourselves? And what if the very purpose and the meaning of STC and why we liked it so much is what happened? Could it be that they have discovered that children aged, you know, learn to read age five up to six, seven, they're reading comics. And after that point, they're playing video games now and not reading comics. Changing demographics, you know, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So what if that's what it is? We, that's why STC represents that shift because it happened to just cover the topic that killed the comic. 
<laughs> Temporarily, they're back, but there'll be there will be good. St- I, I I wish that. Listen, <laughs> there's been a real air of doom and gloom about this joint mm-hmm. in the post 100 era, mm. and it is not to say that there are not good stories to come. Oh no, there's loads of good stuff to come. That yeah. there are not big epic stories to come. Yeah, that there is not things from the games. Oh yeah. And younger listeners who are not so young that they were not there for some of this stuff, who only came in with some of this, Mm. you know, that's when they started reading it during this era, probably won't feel that. No. Um, We've got loads of listeners who this is their era and they liked it. Because they were younger. Yes. I guess. Um, We're we're sorry we're old. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's a little bit hard going right now. Mm, It can be, yeah. But the stuff we like coming up, like, or are yeah. going to like. This, stuff yeah. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. But um, it is becoming more and more a case of having to sort through the other stuff to get to it. Mm. In a way that the comic simply didn't operate on before. Yeah. Now, next issue, Decap Attack returns in the Fearless Monster Hunters. So, if there's one thing you could say about Decap Attack, it never really felt like it was targeting little children. <laughs> because any time that it ever felt like it was doing that, it would usually wind up doing something really strange and subversive by the end of it. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes, you know, if we're going to have to, like, are we going to have to quite soon retool the format of the show? Because it's not fair to analyse this sort of baby comic the way we do. Like, it's not appropriate to it. I mean... <sighs> Anytime we've come up against that before, we have always, even in the course of this issue, been able to talk about the craft. Yes. We'll always be able to talk about them uh, fairly, mm. say. You know, I think as critic, it's, I don't even, I wouldn't even say we were being critical. Mm. I would just say we were being disappointed. I think we've analysed that story quite fairly. That, yes, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, I remember um, uh, when I was really little, when I was um, four or something like that, I used to be into a comic called Acorn Green, which was about little... Now, that's wooden... a comic for babies. Yeah, a ba- I don't know yeah. what it is, but I can tell from the title. Yeah, comic for babies. The nurse was a rabbit, the postman was a mole, things like that, a badger or something. There's a special place called Acorn Green. The nicest place you've ever seen. And uh, I actually, uh, when we, <laughs> we... Abby did a job for... The he of a few years ago and he came to our table at a convention with his wife and of course he's the sort of person who wherever he goes people talk about to him of course his wife standing with him presumably also has to have people talk about and she has to be like yes okay they're talking about at her yeah 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 yes but as we were shaking hands and she was like oh hello my name's won't say here because i don't know if she's a public figure i worked at marvel uk i was an editor at this particular time sure she said the year and i was like so you did Acorn Green and she was like yes I loved Acorn Green there was this sense that nobody would ever brought this up brilliant so we had a little chat about that editor Dave here just found out it was coloured by Steve White friend of the show Steve White now if we were doing Acorn Green the podcast it wouldn't be fair of us to be like well this is for little kids <laughs> but it's not that is it and there, it's almost not fair that that's what this is now when it wasn't that that's the problem. It's unusual, isn't it, for the same publication to shift completely to a different... I mean, I've seen it happen. I couldn't give you any examples now, but it feels like something that, you know, I've been watching a TV show and then suddenly it'll change audience or genre or something and I'll be like, what? <laughs> I was watching that. And, and, like, let's not sit here and pretend like it's not going to die. Exactly. That's, yeah. There are still plenty of, like, epic multi-parters to come. That's what I'm referring to. We're going to get Sonic Adventure later. So that is not gone forever. 
I think we're just kind of overreacting. Yeah. We're just we're just in a rough we're just in a rough patch right now. Okay, folks. <laughs> just, just just work with us on this one. We're just in a rough patch. <laughs> Graphic zone. Fast food zone. This one's a load of old rot, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> even even the graphic zone is kind of uninspiring, this issue. Okay. Um, very, very rude about the children who've worked hard and sent in their, their drawings. It's not even... It says it's a fast food zone, but it's not a fast food-themed no. zone. Because the very first picture is of Dr. Robotnik dressed as a chef... And they've decided to go with a mushroom... Th- well, is he I don't know what's as, going on I, here. I don't know if he is. Or, I, I don't, don't know, know what's if happening. he is. Dodger Robotnik's wearing what looks like a tall hat. Yeah, but what... Like a shift. But it could, but it's in red and orange, so I don't know. But it also doesn't look anything like a hat, does it? What is it? I mean, it could be like at the top of his head exploding like a... Because he's so angry, it could it, be. Like, like with anger or something. What they've done is they've... So the caption that the editors have given this picture is Mushroom Egghead. And it's mm-hmm. Dr. Robotnik, and he's looking up. <laughs> he's looking up with tip X eyes and nose, so God knows what he was originally doing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already furious. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. His eyes, his mouth too. Yeah. His eyes, his nose, his mouth are all in tip X. The lines of his teeth have been drawn on over the tip X. Was it the kid? Was it STC? I don't know anymore, Dave. No. I don't know what's real. No. And he's looking up at whatever it Throw is. Throw me a lifeline. <laughs> he's looking up at whatever it is that's on his head, which is a, imagine it's a mushroom. It's a but imagine that it's a tall mushroom, the stalk of which is decorated like a spider's web. Yeah. And then the mushroom bit of which kind of looks more like the top of a manowar or something like that. It's a big yeah. jelly blob, and that's orange and red. And then he's wearing his normal Robotnik outfit has been changed yeah, with the crosshairs and the belt and all. Yeah, now. but it's white and black. And it's got yep. different coloured, let's say mushrooms drawn on it. Let's say mushrooms. Red ones, black ones, brown ones, orange ones. I've no idea what this is supposed to depict. Because that's not, like a chef wouldn't go, well, I'll dress, as, I'll dress in a mushroom coat. Like, what's happening? I don't know. Is he the king of the mushrooms? What is this? Listen, Amy Matthews of Fishersgate, Ports Lady East Sussex, please, for God's sake, tell us what's happening here. <laughs> We're not going to be able to sleep. <laughs> And we don't know how you do. <laughs> <laughs> and the mushroom thing even continues into this one from Andrew Carr from Castle Derg, County Tyrone, Northern Ireland. This really made me laugh. <laughs> where Sonic is standing. There's a decent little kid's Perfect. drawing yep. of Sonic. Yep. Standing next to two mushrooms. He's draw- And he's got it right. He's drawn the correct Sonic as well. <laughs> Not the Sonic 3D one. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, what do you mean the correct Sonic? It was the like, Christmas tree yes. Sonic. And he's standing next to two mushrooms, like you might see in the Mushroom Hill Zone. Yep. And he goes, in a big speech bubble. Where's the rest of the mushrooms? <laughs> Why is he saying that? Where's the rest of the mushrooms? There's only two. Andrew Carr has written a whole story out in his mind yes. here. This was my thought. I wonder if this is a three-panel comic or something. You know, welcome to the Mushroom Hill Zone. Where's the rest of the mushrooms? Stuck them up my ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, don't know he final, writes kids' comics, was. folks. That's his idea of a punchline. <laughs> to a three-panel strip. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Down below that, Miranda Prague from Netley in Abbey, Southampton, uh, has drawn a big fat Sonic who's just finished eating a whole chicken. Yeah. There's a chicken bone sitting on a plate on the table. There's a big fat Sonic. I suppose it could be an Asterix wild boar, couldn't it? It's ribs anyway. 
Yeah, it could be. And he's burping. He's a big fat Sonic of the kind that uh, you have to go to special sites to find out work of on the internet. <laughs> and under the table is a cat saying Greekoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's saying greedy. Yes, it is! Of course it is! <laughs> oh, I stared so hard to work out what it was really saying. And I could have just used my mind. <laughs> Isn't it a living moment? The cat's just yes. going greedy. Has the cat got a mouse on his plate? Yes, I think it does. Yes. Cat's got a little plate under the table. He's got a little that it's room and it's uh yeah, it looks looks like a sort of vaguely mouse shaped silhouette. And it's only five o'clock. It's only five o'clock? What are you doing? You're gonna ruin your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a normal time to have a dinner, but you shouldn't have finished an entire whatever chicken stroke wild boar by five PM. You must have started at four. What the heck's that? That's just time for a biscuit. <laughs> Tied you over. There are people who have tea at five. I, I went round people's houses and they had tea at five. It was weird. Weirdos. We were we were a, we were a six family. Because <laughs> that's when Dad gets home from work, you know. Yeah, we could go a little later than six. Oh, I can now. Anything oh, yeah. up to eight now. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Try not to, but but can. Yeah, can and could. <laughs> uh, Kyle Gibson from South Shields, Tyne and Weir has done again. So is this is not well? It's not not food themed. But it's Sonic. Nice, perfectly fine little James drawing of Sonic. Stand there, fist thrust out at the camera as if to request a fist bump from the yeah. viewing audience. Which hadn't um, been invented yet. He's very ahead of his time. That's not probably... I'm definitely sure that's not true. It's probably not true, um, is it? Uh, but and we'd never seen it. <laughs> right? You've never seen a fist bump in those days, right? I couldn't. I don't remember a time before fist bumps. So I couldn't so you tell not? you. I think of them as brand new. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely do. I think this show is going off the rails a little bit here. Whenever you come out with sentences like that, whenever that is the funniest thing that has yet been said in the last hour, it feels like a newfangled like thing. Bumps are brand new. It feels newfangled to me. What I remember, even I remember is going when, on? I remember this. The oh, modern surprise of when one was depicted in the film Big Hero Six. <laughs> Anyway, with his other hand, he's pointing finger. Now, now, pointing fingers had been invented by 1997. Brand new. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thought of it. And there's a poster of Robotnik's head that says, Egghead out. Yeah. Straightforward, straightforward, straightforward. No problem. And down below that, there's another poster that says, No eggs allowed. And it's a picture yeah. of an egg, like a bird's egg, with a big red X through it. The Egghead out poster has two X's and then an arrow from each of them pointing to Robotnik. So, no... Him. No. No. Mm-mm. Him. <laughs> no. 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 No to this. But then the thing that I think yeah. clinches this piece of art for inclusion in this fast food themed <laughs> yeah. graphic zone is behind that, uh, the, yeah. the egghead out poster has been put over the top of yeah. a poster that reads nachos and... And we don't know. And the Robotnik poster is over the top of whatever it was and. Nachos and who knows what. Also, look at that. Evidence in the bottom left of Egghead Out that there's something under it. You know, you see those lines? Those yeah, round lines? I do, I do, yeah. No idea what that's supposed to depict. Not a clue. It's getting weirder over to the right. <laughs> now this is a good old-fashioned Sonic as something picture. Do you know... I just happened to re-listen to the episode with the Coke bottle. Oh, and in it, I said, "Yeah, I don't think it's the strangest piece of art we would ever see in STC." <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's been a hundred issues, mm. and I'm not sure it's been surpassed yet because it sort of remains our barometer for the weirdness of pictures <laughs> yeah, sent into it? this comic. Yeah, but this is close. 
This one from Jodie Edgson is very much in the vein of Sonic the Coke Bottle because it's what if chili dogs started looking like their eaters? <laughs> yes, it is Sonic as a chili dog uh, standing up on end. It's an upright chili dog. So you can see the full chili. And it's definitely chili because yep, it's yep, cause got it's a lumpy outline, bloody. not a straight yep. one. Mm-hmm. And no ketchup or mustard on it. And then next to him is Tails as a slice of pizza. Yeah. And and they've got different attitudes to this mm-hmm. situation. Sonic's unhappy. And when we say Sonic as a chili dog, what we mean is it's a chili dog with Sonic's feet, yes. arms, and head. And and his head is looking unhappy, and he's saying, way uncool. Whereas Teals is... Yeah. Licking himself. He's chowing down on his own bits. And going, not bad. Yeah. Now that's that is a limited time offer, isn't it? Tails is going to consume himself at some point, quite rapidly, but, like the Ouroboros before him, <laughs> Ouroboros. How's it pronounced? Was, but you know, it's just going inside himself. So if he goes slowly enough, it'll grow back, won't it? Isn't that how this works? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's try eating our bodies and finding out if we, once we poo it out, we identify as the poo. <laughs> well, you know, you just got to take a little, just a little nibble off your own finger. Oh, I see. And then, and re- then it'll heal up. Your regenerative forces and it'll, yeah, will yeah, heal. Yeah, yeah okay. You'd have to you. go real slow. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I would never be able to eat a piece of pizza that slowly. That's the problem. No. <laughs> Hoover's about this one. Do the next. I don't know what this next one's about. Okay, so here. <laughs> so the next one, John Habashi in Irvine, Scotland, has sent in. <laughs> it's a picture of Charmy B. Nice to see a bit of Charmy art, I will say that. It is. Reclining in a cheeky sort of way. I don't know, there's a bit of attitude to him, the way he's reclining. Hands on hips. Yeah. Sitting his full ass on what might be the face of Robotnik. And it's difficult to ascertain because... It is definitely an egg in an egg cup. He is sitting on a big egg. Yes. And the egg is done up to look like Robotnik. It's got the colours of Robotnik. It's got the moustache of Robotnik. It may have the eyes of Robotnik. But Charmy's arse is in the way. And what is happening is actually that Charmy is stinging Stinging. it on the nose. Oh, and the nose is inflated and that's why it looks weird. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Robotnik's got a big red nose anyway. Well, that's the thing. It's difficult to tell. Yeah. The egg cup, though, has got Knuckles' face on it. Oh, so it does. I genuinely didn't even compute that that's what that mass of squiggles was. Yeah, so that's Knuckles. And then the egg is... And then... so And Charmy is looking at the audience. A readers. Yeah. Fists on hips. Saying, Sonic always says, Robotnik's a bad egg. And then what's the last detail? What's that strip of seaweed coming off his foot? Yeah. A big green wiggle big coming green off wiggle. Jeremy's foot. And I don't know, is it meant to be somehow a jet of stink? Ah. Like it's a bad egg. Ah. Yes, it could be. But it's... It could be. It's It doesn't... But it's going out at a, a horizontal straight line out of what happens to be his foot. It's a weird one. We have described it in its entirety. Yeah. And we leave it to you. <laughs> the world is full of watch out fours. Can't do that. And tough. There are no more. The last one, thank goodness, is very straightforward. Thomas Rosie from Shirley Solihull has simply drawn. Wait a minute, Thomas Rosie? Is that. Have we heard Little Rosie? Have we heard him before? Um, have we? Oh, we've got to look it up now. Hang on, hang on. This could be a. This could be continuity. Wait, to help you, I will look in my folder for what episode had the Little Rosie theme in it. Yes. Okay, well, the file is in my folder for episode 80, so try issue 80. 
It is an or. <laughs> off. It is. Oh my god. That. I'll start that song again. <laughs> Mega Reader. Dear Megadroid, I look forward to going home with my copy of STC, but once I've read it, I get quite bored, because I have to wait two weeks for the next one. Uh, That's from Thomas Rosie from Shirley in Solihill. Megadroid says, you have my sympathies, boom. Hmm? Were you singing a little song? I was singing the Little Rosie song, because it's Thomas Rosie. Little Rosie, the cartoon with Roseanne <laughs> yeah. Barr's child self. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Quite the pool, Dave. It's quite the pool. He's a, he's a little rosy. He's a little rosy. I, I don't dispute it, but just seems like a, a cartoon that would kind of sit outside your wheelhouse. Um, evidently not. I guess not. She's a clown, but she's no fool. She breaks the bends most every my god right my folder is 809 gigabytes that's a large folder but it's for moments like this yeah, that is why it is that, that large. those 809 gigabytes gave their lives <laughs> i don't know how we would have found that so quickly otherwise no stc then with an old friend with a return returning contributor yes it's the return of thomas rosie little rosie himself <laughs> From Shirley Solihull, who has drawn a picture of Sonic, and he's just eating some chili dogs. Yeah. Standing next to his Mega Drive, yeah. two joypads, and a TV yeah. and the Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge plugged into it. Chili Dog Sonic, he's written there. And it's nice to have a sense of sanity and normalcy to bring me back down to the ground <laughs> at the end of a graphic zone sometimes. Yeah. Um, is Sonic, uh, is that his abs? Is he ripped or do you think he's rippling with fullness? Rippling with fullness. Yes, I think so. He's eaten all the pies. Well, maybe the chili's disagreeing with him and it's bubbling away in there. Is that a bottle of ketchup, do you think, in his other hand? Oh, I never spotted it, but I think it must be, mustn't it? What a chili dog. What are you doing, Thomas? It's unnecessary, Thomas Rosie. That's active, that's sabotage. Yeah, no need. Oh, that's our little Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Spaced Out Part 2 Written by Lou Stringer Art by Bob Corona Bob Corona Colours by Nigel Dobbin And letters by Tom Frame Amy and Techno are taken prisoner By Short Fuse And brought before the leader of the Insectra Empire Dark Visor <laughs> The girls quickly deduce that the creepy crawly thing on Shorty's chest is controlling his mind, so Techno tries to remove it. To stop her, Visor orders his men to open fire, but they wind up blasting the creature and setting Short Fuse free. Just then, though, the Insectra ship is hit by a barrage from their enemies, the Bleh, and sent crashing down <laughs> towards the nearest planet. Look, I'm not gonna... I like a little bit of silly spaceness. I don't mind... It's an... Listen... I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it at all. This is the best strip yeah. in the issue. Yes. Because it is a silly, a silly hmm. action 
multi-parter. Now, yeah, sure, Dark Visor. It's 1997. The Star Wars Special Editions have come out this year. Star Wars is really back in the cultural zeitgeist in a way it simply hasn't been among the minds of young people in the United Kingdom in a long time. So here we go, Dark Visor. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, sure, whatever. The funnest, like, you know, first panel, Short Fuse is stalking towards Amy and Techno for, from where we left off last issue of him saying he's a bad guy and he likes it. And we mm. see clearly the blobby thing on his chest that we saw last issue that they flagged up in the dialogue in his last First words out of Amy's mouth in the first yeah. panel of the strip. I've seen enough sci-fi movies to know that thing on his chest is controlling his yeah. mind. Brilliant. Love it. Any savvy reader is going to have clocked that. Yeah. Straight to business. Good. Short Fuse blows up her crossbow. Don't suppose you've got a spare, says Techno. Yeah, but it's on the other side of the galaxy at the moment. <laughs> Short Fuse brings them before uh, Dark Visor. And, um... This may be not. I am Dark Visor, Emperor of the Insectra Empire, Commando of this starship, and soon to be ruler of this galaxy. And Amy goes, Oh, you're a bit of a workaholic then. <laughs> yeah. So what I like about this is that Amy, and this goes on notably to the very last panel of the strip, Amy's whole attitude is no matter what's going on, she's like, oh, that's she's just quipping away. <laughs> she's not asked. She knows she'll be fine. And then Lou bangs the same drum <laughs> that he's been well that has been well banged this issue already. Well bung. <laughs> where Amy uh, asks what's going on with this war between the Insectra Empire. And Visor <laughs> explains, for ten thousand years, we Insectras have fought a space war with the people of our rival planet, the Bleh. And she goes. What's the war all about? Well, I don't know. But if a lifetime of war was good enough for my grandfather Dim Visor and my great grandfather Dusty Visor, well, who am I to argue with tradition? I'm so glad that you correctly switched accents on. I don't know. <laughs> that's, when it, that's when the switch happens, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I really that. that. That was the biggest laugh. I really yes. love that bit. So once again, it's it's Lou going <laughs> on about how people just rolling with tradition, just doing yeah. things like they've always been, not pushing back against Bados. Yeah. So Techno tries to yank this thing off Short Fuse. The controller crawly, Visor yeah. calls it, <laughs> which is funny. It's a funny name. It's good. <laughs> it's like, what shall I call this? I don't know what. <laughs> I'll just be silly. They're insects. It's not immediately really, like, Visor doesn't really look like an insect. It looks kind of like a Darth Vader crossed with a Zool. Yes. But then people used to say Zool looked like an ant. Well, this is it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. But so this thing, it's not just some blobbo, because once it is accidentally then shot off Short Fuse whenever the uh, whenever the he orders his man to open fire to protect Short Fuse. So you shoot Techno and Techno dodges and the blasts hit the crowley. And then the crowley two little legs, two little legs, and goes <laughs> as it runs <laughs> off across the floor. Yeah. Running away with its little leg. I loved that. Yep. <laughs> but then before Short Fuse can really uh settle Visor's hash. The wall explodes, and uh, we, we cut, cut to a nice big, nice shot like last issue. Nice exterior shot of the ship, of a blue ship, which has appeared and is shooting them down. Amazing drawing, that. And Amy rounds us out, Dave, by saying... This is turning out to be one of those days! <laughs> she doesn't care. She's on a spaceship that is just been shot down out of space and is going to crash on one of these two planets. And she's like, another one of those days. Another day, another headache. Next issue. Crash. <laughs> yes, this idea of Amy 
just being the one who sort of stands at the side of the story <laughs> and sasses the stupid events that are going on around her is um yeah it's really taking shape over these last <laughs> couple of issues isn't it <laughs> yeah Techno's the proactive one. Yeah. Uh, and the original characters are the ones who actually propel the story forward. And Amy sits there going, what a load of silly old bollocks this is. <laughs> Easily, by a country yeah. mile, the best strip in the issue. Yeah. Okay, so, right. So this is my analysis of the whole thing, right? I love Lou Stringer. And I love, in general, in my, in my wider life, not on this podcast, I love this kind of comic. But it is true that this setting wasn't made for this. And this was the only period when it was this. So, like, you can take this issue of STC, and depending on what frame of mind you were in or, or who you are, you can read it two ways. See, on the one hand, it's, it is basically like re reading an issue of the Beano or something, or perhaps a more surreal yeah. example of that sort of genre comic. You can imagine, say, like, a Looney Tunes comic or a Muppet Babies comic or something being done yeah, like this. Sure. Where it's like, here are the characters in a wacky situation. Or... You can read it as, where's my comic gone? Where, that's it. Where's yes. it gone? Where's it gone? Where is it? You're shaking it upside down, waiting for STC to fall out. Where is the comic we have been reading for 111 issues? Like, where did it go? And today, reading it at this age, like, I could have a child the age for this. Mm -hmm. I'm going like, all right, yeah, that's a sweet comic for kids. But the me of the past was going, what's this? I don't understand how you can sit here today, though, and think that about this issue so divorced from everything else about the comic, though. I don't know how you can be so blasé, almost, about saying, yeah, it's a fine little comic for kids. Well, it is. Yeah, but, like, it's issue 112 of a series. Why is it suddenly this now? Well... Not why is it suddenly this now, because there are certain paths that can be followed. Why are you okay with that? Um... Is it just that you've had 30 years to accept it? Whereas I didn't live through this, essentially. It, it certainly could be. I guess because it's a children's comic, and so them printing a children's comic's not a surprise. But there are tiers of what children's comics are. Yes. Sonic the Comic, issue number six, was a children's comic. And that had Shinobi and Golden Axe and Wonder Boy and Sonic and the Death Egg. But it's not the same kind of children's comic this is. I think, for me, the wonder is that it was that, not that it's this now. You know, I think we've always been interested. What was it? Either about the market for this kind of thing or about the specific people that sort of like possessed them to make the comic they originally did with all of the, with streets of rage in it. See, but I don't have, I, that is not a question to me. It was like that because it was, to go back to use an antique phrase that wouldn't technically be used today, but to describe the quadrant Sonic the comic fell into, mm. boys action adventure mm. comics used to be that. And arguably, this isn't even that anymore. Now that I've actually said that out loud, arguably, Sonic the comic is not firmly placed in that quadrant anymore. Well, that's what we're facing here today. Yes. That's gone. Now that I've said that, it's kind of crystallizing for me, yeah. Sonic the comic was the last one of those. Yes. And it has now lasted long enough to have noticed that and to go, oh, there's no market for that. That market has been taken over by Panini and Marvel's line of dedicated Marvel US reprints, those smaller yeah. format comics we were talking about, Essential X-Men and Astonishing Spider-Man, which were reprinting three issues of an American comic, upwards of 60 pages of, of action-adventure stuff pitched at a slightly older audience for, I want to say, sub-two pounds when those started. Mm-hmm. 
And it's imports. It's not. They're yeah. not our comics in a way. Oh yeah, they were all import stories. There were no filler in betweens or anything. They were all fully dedicated to. And okay, now that you say that, what's really interesting is that the last bastions of the boys' action comic that existed, the ones in our lifetimes, even though they were British, they were adaptations of American material. They were Ghostbusters. They were Transformers. They were Sonic. Yeah, those things. La- I mean, we did get homegrown UK Spider-Man's, a spectacular Spider-Man adventure. Well, okay, we did get stuff like that. Well, okay, but that's an American property again. So, so that too, then. Yeah. Gosh, you know, now we're sitting here and kind of spitballing all this. Mm. I'm sure there's people out there who have a much deeper and better knowledge of the evolution of this industry within the UK that could provide more specifics. Yeah. But I've never really thought about it in this order before. Mm-hmm. It's making a lot of sense, the idea that that kind of consumed that corner of the market and something like Sonic the Comic, which was one of the last great holdovers of comics, what used to be made in the UK that way. Because even something like what I just mentioned, like Spectacular Spider-Man Adventures, you know, that, that still had word searches and mazes and board board games in the middle of it, you know? Yeah, right, right. And I do feel bad to say at the end of all this that there is the realisation hmm. that all four strips in this for the very first time yes. were all written by Lou Stringer. Dave, it was a a deluge. <laughs> We've spent so much time in the past digging up Stringer's work on STC. Yeah, he's good. That it's frustrating that when he takes over the comic, it's the worst example going of the kind of stuff that up until now we've said his work was misrepresented as by readers Mm. that I'm now starting to wonder might not have been quite the misrepresentation we thought it was when he was telling more action-based stories in the pre-100 era. Well, this is this is why I think it's not his fault. This is why I think he's this is an editorial decision we're going to we're going to change the direction of the comic. Lou do that. Okay, I will. You know, he does the job he's told because we know what he writes like. He writes like Brutus. We flipping love it. And then he's doing, you know, action-based stuff in the Amy strip here. So, yeah, you know, do just do more of that. It can be silly and that. I can absolutely have that and do good jokes as well. Yes, well, hopefully that's what we're seeing then is a, a finding of new feet as they wonder about this new direction. Because we know, and we've been saying, you know, we know that we go back to the sort of thing that this podcast is centred around again in the future. So this it never changes for good. And we do have... Lots of action stories in the Sonic strip still going forward. Um, so, yes, things are fluctuating. Foot finding is a good way of describing it, because I feel like these thoughts have just simply not been far from from us here on the podcast in the post-100 era, as things have settled down after it. And they come in conjunction with the time of the great culling that, that I have been <laughs> banging the drum about. For the last little while, about losing features, about losing creatives, and losing characters. We know things do settle down. Yeah. But just gotta get there. We just gotta we don't know when is the problem. We don't know Mm. when. We just we we just gotta push through till we get there. So, I don't know about you listeners, but that was quite a tricky listen for me when I was editing it. Clearly the tone change of this issue blindsided us in 2023, much like it did in 1997, and as a result this whole thing sounded a little bit funereal. Well, we record episodes with a nice bit of clearance time for editing, and so I wanted to lean in here, having read the next few issues, and say that I'm pleased to tell you, at least for now, this issue seems to be something of a one-off. 
We were very pleasantly surprised by how quickly the series picked up again and started giving us the kind of comics we prefer. So, a testing of the water, a finding of the feet, and yes, as time goes on, the comic will embrace younger readers, but it won't ever turn its back on the older ones, and you could say that's going to create some tonal dissonance. Those in the know are aware of a significant surprise waiting for us that would never sit next to a rhyme about bananas whose specifics I bleeped out earlier. If you don't know, oh, stay tuned, eh? First one in from Christopher Bridson in Heighton. Heighton. It's in Liverpool, Merseyside, wherever it is. And it's captioned by STC, Robotnik's Ruin. Dear STC, could you please print my limerick? There was a fat bloke called Robotnik who tried and tried to catch Sonic. But each time he'd fail, and he'd fume and he'd wail, bring me a large gin and tonic. <laughs> well done. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Megadroid's got nothing, so he simply says, Would you think he might be raising a glass to Sonic's good health? Fact or friction, dear STC, the Bravehog story back in issue 107 can't be true mm. because Sonic doesn't have ancestors. Well, well, let's not go that far, but as he was accidentally created by Dr. Ovi Kinderbor before he became Robotnik. Please, can you explain this to me? Says Matthew Blundell, Worsley Manchester, enamel badge winner, getting the wrong end of the right stick. Yes, yeah. Megadroid's <laughs> response is, as is the way with all good legends, Matthew, who knows where the facts end and the myth begins. Ignoring him, just not listening. Yes. <laughs> uh, because obviously Sonic was not created by Dr. No. Kintabur. He can have ancestors. Yes. The problem is simply that the ancestors were depicted as blue and pointy. Yes. Instead the only of brown normal hedgehogs. He's onto something. It's strange, on isn't it? And Yeah. I wonder if he simply, as a young man, hmm. did not have the words to properly express what he was trying to say. That could be it. Because what it makes it seem like is that he's heard about the origin of Sonic just on the grapevine. Mm. And got the wrong end. You know, hasn't read the issue and seen the brown Sonic. Yeah, but there's a valid point at the heart of it. Yes. <laughs> and it is not gibberish, <laughs> which is the title of the next one. Yes, that comes in from Mariessa Crawley from Ballachton Bartonshire in Scotland. Dear SDC, I love your comic and faithfully buy each issue. However, there are some people who say that I shouldn't like Sonic and Tails because I'm female. <gasps> but I disagree. Seemingly, though, it's okay for me to be interested in the crazy but cool Amy because of her gender. Well. Well, indeed, Megadroid says. The next time somebody talks gibberish to you, Mariessa, ask them when good taste and judgment became exclusive to one section of the population. Oh! And then he adds in brackets, or even to Humes for that matter. After all, I'm a good example of that. Deborah Tate just answering that directly and then a mm. little bracket from Megadroid at the end, definitely. Yes, <laughs> Megadroid leans in. Mariessa, by the way, the only person on the page to be a Game Gear and Mega Drive owner. Oh yeah, they don't didn't stipulate their owners otherwise. Yeah. A true blue Sonic fan. Silly pictures. Silly, silly pictures. pictures. Got two silly pictures of stuff off the telly. So the first one from Michael Cadden in Ainsdale, Southport, Merseyside is Scouse Sonic. You see, it's okay because he's from Merseyside. He can do it. He's allowed to do it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, but but this, okay. So listeners, this isn't just Sonic drawn as someone from Liverpool. It's specifically <laughs> <laughs> the sketch from Harry Enfield and Chums in which they make fun of people from Liverpool. Big curly wig, big curly moustache. Sonic's been given both of those. God, what? Hang on a minute. Wait a minute. That sketch made it feel like it made any kind of logical sense. For the nation to start believing for a couple of years that if you were from Liverpool, you had curly hair and a certain kind of moustache. 
What on earth did they base that on? You know. <laughs> it just happened. That was it. It's one of those things where a it's stereotype. Like how Jaws made people afraid of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where a comedy sketch, one comedy sketch, changed what a stereotype is. They just did a random thing, and now everyone thought that that was the way it was. <laughs> Looked it up, so I'd forgotten this, but they weren't just characters. The Scousers was explicitly a parody soap opera, specifically a parody of Brookside, which won't surprise anyone who knows that Brookie is of course set in Liverpool, and specifically there were parodies of two particular characters, presumably known for falling out with each other at the drop of a hat, named Barry Grant and Terry Sullivan. So there you go. If you were annoyed that we didn't know that, you can all hey, hey, and hey, calm down. Calm down. That's what he's e doing there. E and he's e saying he's saying that. Then the other picture is from Bianca Moss in Brighton, East Sussex. And it's an interesting, it's a triple crossover, this. Yes, I was going to say, it's three things. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's just two things, but it's actually three things. Yeah. It's Sonic X-Files. Yes. And it's uh, Agent Scully, no Mulder, just Agent Scully, yeah. standing there. And in front of her is Sonic on what looks like a little table. Yes. Because he was way too small and would come nowhere near her face if not allowed to stand on some kind of platform. And this Sonic looks like it's been referenced from something, but I can't tell you what. Yeah, because of the way the hands don't make sense, but you can mm. tell what they were doing. So it's, yeah, that's yeah. copied from something. It's Sonic, anyway, it might be even from STC. I can't, it, there's something, it's tickling my brain, but I can't, I can't get it. And he's standing there, he's sort of leaning back, looking up into the sky with his arms spread wide, and uh, the handwritten note in there by Bianca herself says, And there was a spaceship this big! And Scully's going, mm. <laughs> But the thing of it all is, yes. it's Scully as she appeared in that one episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, that is a Simpsons Scully. Um, the bit of, you know, promotional art of them having been in The Simpsons. That you saw in everything for a while. So it's not just Sonic X-Files. It's Sonic Simpsons X-Files. It's three things. Yes. And I definitely <laughs> recognize the thing of like, oh, I'd like to be able to draw this famous person, but can't. But these people have already worked out how Figured to draw how them, to do so it. I'll copy that. <laughs> yeah. There was a particular John Major I drew throughout the John Major years that I got from a from a fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things. Well, that uh, that's going to do it for this issue. Um, mm -hmm. Mailbags empty at the moment. Yeah, right in. Or And if you're sitting there thinking, no, it's not, I sent them something, yeah. then it's quite possible you sent it so long ago that we forgot. So, <laughs> yeah, we've just uh, lost it. So send it again. Uh, stctp at gmail.com. Uh, get that mailbag filled up, folks. Because there wasn't even a diary zone this issue. Dave did not even no. do anything interesting. No. It's the what was it? You're back at school, so there wasn't even anything good or fun to talk about. Like that's it. I'm just I'm just kicking about at school, grumping. Well, we've had quite enough of that on both the <laughs> diary zone and I think in this issue in general. Uh, <laughs> so we'll draw a line under it there, uh, and flip over to the back cover for next issue. Mm. Falling Occupants. Oh, love it! Falling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft Falling Occupants of Interplanetary Quite Extraordinary Craft these cover gags are getting more impenetrable, you know? <laughs> Do you remember a couple of issues ago we had the colour-themed one and we were trying to figure out what Amy's yeah. fool guy was and we were both thinking, there's something else called a fool. 
what is it? What count we get here? There's somebody in the Discord reminded us that that a fool is a kind of a fruit dish. Yeah. So it might have been orange because it was orange on the cover. They were. It was in. It might have been orange because it was talking about fruit. Yeah. Even though raspberry fool is the main kind of fool. Yeah, but still, it's it's like this issue's got get shorty on it, and that's a film. We didn't say that. Yeah, we didn't mention it at all. But yeah, the the cover of this issue, get shorty. Amy tracks down the cybernic. Yeah, that being a reference to the 1995 film, Get Shorty. Hmm. So, uh, at least I was able to recognize that. Yes. I feel like I'm not getting... We forgot to bring it up. (laughs) Yeah, because it was so... Yeah, anybody will hear it and get it. You won't have to explain it. Unlike Falling Occupants or Orange Fools. What are you on about? Falling Occupants is a very famous song. It was by the Carpenters. Well, it was by Klaatu, but the Carpenters made it famous with their cover. Fair enough, okay. That that might just be a me thing. But still. You should have a look, it's quite good. I feel like I'm grasping for these more often than I used to be, <laughs> to put it simply. Falling occupants... No, that's a good spaceship joke, guys. Take it from me. <laughs> Amy, Shorty, and Techno get spaced out. And we see the artwork here of the crashed Insectra ship and them clambering out and Amy striking a very dynamic pose. Plus, mm. free! Free right. Free gift, good good start, right? Oh, hello. Fifty <gasps> fab STC stickers. Fifty whole 50. stickers. Fifty. Count him. Count him. Yeah. Fifty whole stickers. They gotta be tiny. That's flipping millions. That is million. Fifty millions. Plus, there's gonna be a Sonic pinup and three new stories. Yeah, and they are Sonic the Detour, Decap Attack, Fearless Monster Hunters, and Tails. Fall of the Leaf. Ooh, that's STC 113 on sale Wednesday, the 17th of December, 97. £1.25. Hopefully, a little better than this one. <laughs> and if you want to find out, you can hear us chat on about it at the usual stctp.zone is where you'll find it first, and then it'll land in your usual pod scrapey scoopy devices shortly thereafter. And if the content of this episode makes you think you could tolerate hearing our other opinions about stuff, <laughs> you can follow us on social media. <laughs> We're on Twitter. The podcast is at Sonic Podcast, and I am on there individually at Chris McFeely. And I'm on there individually at Demon Tomato Dave. And you'll find us on the other places as well, more or less, here and there. Yes, uh, Mastodon and Blue Sky. Pterodactyl, yeah. We're both on Blue Sky now as well, right? Yeah. It's all happening, yeah. And YouTube. Oh, and YouTube, of course, yes. We're both on there under all them names on the, all the same places as well. You can support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash stctp, where a donation of any amount will get you access to the bonus bank of... Video nasties. <laughs> <laughs> the bonus bank of Bulma Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's truer than you know, folks. Where we look at the Martin Adams novels from mm-hmm. Virgin Publishing. Yes. From the early 90s, right around the time STC began. Yes, and we still haven't finished. No, we're getting close, though. Yes. And Dave's teenage fan fiction, stretching back years now, it is. Years worth. Yes, and we that. still haven't finished. And we're still unfinished yet. And I don't <laughs> believe we ever will. <laughs> it's, it's like with the Martin Adams novels, I know there's an end. There's a physical object I'm holding in yeah. my hand, and I can see how many pages there are left. Yeah. But I reckon Dave never. I just think they just keep going and going yeah. and going. I finally time. stopped writing them when we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 700 All there for you to enjoy And you can enjoy our theme song Our opening theme song Synchronize it's called It's by Sonic the Comic the band You can go and hear it And other things they do At sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com They're Sonic the Comic the band But we have been Sonic the Comic the podcast And we will see you 
next time. Uh, am I Amy? Uh, no, it's me. Ah. Yes, because I was the bananas. Yes. Was, but, you know, it's just going inside himself, so if he goes slowly enough, it'll grow back, won't it? Isn't that how this works?